understand, we'll look at Luke 11, verses 1 and 2. We'll talk about this pattern of prayer. Greatest privilege and the most awesome responsibility in the life of the Christian is talking to the Heavenly Father in the matter of prayer. But what's it all about? What's the reason? What's the motive? We're going to be looking at that as we look at the very person of our God tonight. Uh, Luke 11, 1 and 2. It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it in heaven, so in earth. If you mark in your Bible, you might want to do what I've done. Underscore those two words, Our Father. That's the most amazing thought, Our Father. We're going to look at the person of God tonight, the one we're praying to. Let's, let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for the joy. Oh, it's such a privilege to be here. And everyone before us, I pray for every one of them, those that gave audible prayer requests, those that raised their hands. Uh, you are a great high priest, dear Lord, and you're touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Not only are you aware of what's going on, you feel what we feel and our emotions, and that's most amazing. Bless everyone, meet every need. Bless Sunday with the best day we've ever had. And Lord, I praise you for all you do, for asking in your name and with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you, be seated. Just a little word about the last time we had uh, the Bible study here started off. Uh, we talked about this is a pattern of prayer. It's not a prayer to be recited, just over and over. You know, you see it a lot, you hear it a lot. People say, well, we're going to pray. And then they say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It wasn't given to be recited. It was given as a pattern. That's how to do it, how to pray. You don't have to say it like this, but there, the elements in this pattern of prayer ought to be included in all of our prayers. And the very first thing is who we're talking to, who we're praying to, our wonderful God. That is most amazing. Now, here's what's happening. Most of the time, Jesus prayed alone and no one heard him. But this time, the disciples overheard him praying, Wayne. And they were so, so caught up in it, so impressed by it, so moved by it. They said, Lord, teach us to pray like you just pray. We want to know how to pray like that. And so he honored that. And he said, okay, here's the way you started out. You say, our Father. Now, up until this time, Jesus had always said, my Father, my Father. Now, he opened it up and he said, he's also your Father. And you can say, our Father. What a privilege Amen. for everybody who is saved to be able to refer to God as their Father. That's amazing. Verse 2 is all about the person of God. I love to talk about him. And of all the titles that are ascribed to our Lord in the Bible, the most favorite of mine is Father. That's family. That's intimacy. That's closeness. That means everything. This great, awesome, almighty, eternal God who's bigger than the universe because he created it, who is so far beyond us, has nothing in common with us, is not anything like us, somehow... We were brought into his family and now we can address this almighty eternal God, this glorious being as our father. 
Don't get over it. Don't ever get over the privilege of that. That's absolutely marvelous to even consider such a thing. Now, there's so much confusion today about God and praying to him. And I think about this, um, this faith movement, this word of faith movement, charismatic movement, or as we called them in Alabama, the charismatic, we called them charismatics. We got everything backwards there. <laughs> but anyway, we could take a three-syllable word and make it into one syllable, Gene. We could. Curious. We'd say cures. That person's cures. But we had our own language there. But anyway, here's the thing. Uh, this word of faith movement, very dangerous, very damaging. And I'll get to that. There's a personal note in that about my family, about a cousin. And I'll tell you about that in a few minutes. But at any rate, this word of faith movement, it, it tends to use prayer as uh, manipulating God to where he does whatever they want him to do because he has to honor their word of faith. That's not at all what praying's about, not at all. According to them, the purpose of prayer is to release the blessing of physical healing and financial abundance. That's, that's the whole purpose of prayer. In the word of faith movement, the charismatic movement, it is to release uh, physical healing and financial blessing, and you, and you get God to do the things that you want him to do and get him to meet your needs. That's not at all the God of the Bible. That's right. God cannot be manipulated. God does not do as men pleases. God does as he pleases, according to Isaiah 55 verse 11. God does as he pleases. But aren't you glad he's a great, big, wonderful God? Amen. Gracious, merciful God. What could you do about it if he was not? If he was, if he was manipulative, if he was judgmental, if he was critical, if he was harsh to you, what could you do about it? Nothing. Aren't you glad he's gracious, wonderful, merciful, caring, and thoughtful? Aren't you glad he's that way? Because God is almighty. There's none above him. And God does as he pleases. He has your best interest at heart, ladies and gentlemen. Aren't you glad for that? You can never go wrong leaving things up to God. The best way to pray is not my will, but thine be done. You can't go wrong doing that. And you never get the short end of the stick. God gives you the very best that you could possibly have if you leave the results up to him. And prayer is not getting what you want. It's the awesome and comparable privilege of getting to talk to him. Getting to spend quality time with him. And you can't spend quality time with God in the secret place in prayer and it not change your life. That's impossible. When you're in the presence of Almighty God, it rubs off on you. You become more like Him and less like you, right? And that's exactly what we need to become more and more like our wonderful Lord. Psalm 103 verse 19, the Lord sits on His throne in heaven and rules over all God rules over all, does as he pleases, and nobody can reverse his purposes. Nobody gets to vote on what he's going to do. Nobody gets to say a word about what he's going to do. Nobody gets an opinion about what he's going to do. God does as he pleases, period. And that thrills me. All these little peons running around the world, you know, they think they're running things and they're uh, monarchs over countries and rulers over this and that. 
They're puppets on a string. They're just doing what God wants them to do. They're fitting into God's master plan and nobody can move that around and reverse it in any shape or form. God's going to do exactly what he wants to do and nobody can turn that around. And I'm grateful. And his master plan is absolutely wonderful. All of you read your Bible all the way through. It's wonderful what God has in store for his children. It's absolutely phenomenal, mind-boggling. I'm so grateful he has a master plan and it will be in place and no one can stop that. Prayer is the unmatched privilege of speaking with God. Prayer ought to be as natural as breathing. Just natural as breathing. Always realizing you're in the presence of God. Always communing with Him. Not verbally as such. And don't close your eyes while you're driving the car. That won't work. I've met a lot of people who I thought had their eyes closed while they were driving. But that's not what I'm talking about. You're in the presence of God. You're just as natural as breathing. You're always in His presence and you're aware of it. That's how you can pray always according to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And the answer to our prayer ought to always be our desire to see God glorified in the answer. Jesus said that in John 14.13 that you can pray and ask God for what you want that he may be glorified. Don't you want your God to look good? Every time I get up here, every time, my prayer is this, Holy Spirit, help me to make Jesus look good. I don't give a flying fig about people knows my name or what I look like or what they think. I just don't care. But I do care about one thing. I want the Lord Jesus to make to be look good with whatever I say and whatever I do. I want him to look good. Don't you? Make him look good. That's the whole purpose of prayer. Now, here's some things about God as our Father. You're going to enjoy this. This is wonderful. It's hard to appreciate in the Western world, the world we live in, about the Oriental times in the East during Jesus' day and even in Old Testament times. It's hard to appreciate being able to call God our Father. There is not one prayer. Listen to this. There is not one prayer in the Old Testament where a person addressed God as my father, not one. They did not feel like they were worthy of that. They would not do that. It would seem presumptuous, assuming too much. Who am I that I can address him in prayer as my father? It's not listed in the Old Testament anywhere. And this is what caused the Jewish leaders, Roger, to hate Jesus so much because he referred to God as Father. You didn't do that in Jewish ritual, in Jewish life. You didn't do that. You were not allowed to do that. And here comes Jesus and he says, he's my Father. It enraged them to the point they said we're going to kill him because he's blaspheming. He claims equality with God. And Jesus did claim equality with God in John 10 verse 30. Listen to this. I and my Father are one. You don't have to be a mathematician to figure that one out. I and my father are one. He claimed equality with God. And so it enraged the Jewish leaders. And they said, he's a blasphemer. We're going to kill him. And they did, humanly speaking. And then Jesus went on not only to call God his father, but the father of all of his children. 
He said this in Matthew 6, verse 8, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Yeah. How many of you have needs in here tonight? You don't have to raise your hand. Amen. You can if you want. Some of you did anyway before I could stop you. <laughs> yes, sir. We all have needs. All of us. We are a poor, needy people in this crazy mixed up world. Aren't you glad that Jesus said in John 6, verse 8, your heavenly Father knows the needs that you have. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that heartwarming? That you have a heavenly Father who knows your every need. And when Jesus pushed it even forward and said, not only is he my Father, he's the Father of all of his children, that made the Jewish leaders even more angry. But wait a minute. He took it a step even farther. He took it into intimacy, closeness, not a distant deity that's unaware of what's going on, but someone who's close and up front in his family. He did. The apostle Paul said this in Galatians 4, 6. He said, because we are sons of God, we are able to call him Abba, Father. Now that's a Latin word that means Papa or Daddy. That's amazing. And one of the first words that a Jewish child ever learned to say was Abba. They would refer to their father as Abba, one of the first words they ever learned. And it was a term of intimacy. That's my father, I'm their child. And imagine moving that over to God and saying, because we're his children, we can call him Abba, Father. That is the most intimate, personal way of addressing God. And you can do that. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. What a privilege that is. The Jewish people had no idea what a privilege that was. But you and I can understand it because we're on this side of the cross. We have a completed Bible and we can say our Father. If you haven't underscored those two words in your Bible in Luke 11 verse 2, y'all do it. He is our Father. That's absolutely amazing. Now let's make this practical. Let's get it down where the rubber meets the road so you can get the real blessing out of it. Since he is your heavenly father, there are four basic areas of need that have been met. First of all, there is the matter of fear. No need to be afraid because you have a heavenly father. In 2 Timothy 1, 7, we're told that in this world, there is this Spirit of fear, you can feel it. It permeates the whole area, the whole earth, globally. There's this spirit of fear around the world. You can almost feel it, the spirit of fear. It's evil. It comes from the kingdom of darkness and the old devil himself. A spirit of fear out there. But we have a loving, caring God and we have no need to be afraid. Isn't that amazing? Now, I told you I'd make this personal about the word of faith movement, the charismatic movement. I have a cousin who is in that, who was raised in that. It's the uh, attorney I was telling you about. I love her dearly. But she was raised in that movement. Here's the thing. She has cancer. It's already in her skeletal system, all in her bones. She's dying. All she has for a religion, Jean, is this word of faith movement, which says prayer is to release 
physical healing and financial blessing. And if you have enough faith, you can be healed. Well, she's already lost a husband to that religion. They claim, I watched them. I, I tracked them through that. And it, it breaks my heart. I'm, I'm not being critical. Oh no, it hurts me. I weep over it. But I watched them, how they acted and what they said when her husband a few years ago uh, took cancer and this church got together and they said, oh my, if you'll just have enough faith and, and, and just believe God, prayer releases physical healing and God will heal your husband. Well, he died and it broke their hearts. And, and you know what that leads to? Disillusionment. Amen. Wait a minute. I thought this was real. This is where I go to church. This is what I believe in. It ain't working. Now she's got it. You ought to see some of the text. I won't let you, but you ought to see some of the text she sends to me. She's scared to death. Yeah. And here's what she's saying. Ron, I'm afraid to die. You know what happened? Her religion failed her. They didn't do a bit of good. Listen, if what you say you believe is not good in bad times, it's no good anytime. But this book, faith in this book, faith in God will get you through anything. And there's no fear of dying to the child of God who has his faith anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ. No need to fear. Spurgeon said this, dying is no big thing and you're not going to sing that Sunday morning. <laughs> Dying is no big thing. It's living that's the problem. Amen. Death is not a problem for the believer. It's living. No reason to be afraid of dying. It ushers you right in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's to be afraid of? But listen, here's my cousin, high profile attorney who defended Judge Roy Moore. You remember years ago in the Ten Commandments they were going to take him out of the courthouse? And Alabama, she defended him and won it in the state, but the Supreme Court knocked it on out. She's brilliant. She's a go-getter. She can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with anybody. But now she's dying, and she's like a little child, and she's scared to death. You know why? This faith movement, this word of faith movement breaks down somewhere along the way I mean, it looks good for a while, but when the rubber meets the road and the, and, the tough, and the tough times come, it will break down and fail you every time because it's based on a wrong premise. You cannot manipulate God. You cannot use God. Prayer is not to get what you want. Prayer is not to release physical healing. Prayer is to glorify God in the answer. And you always get what's best when you leave the results to God. You think God's going to give you the leftovers when he gave you his son on the cross when you didn't even belong to him. You weren't family when he did that. Yeah. Now you're in the family. How much more will he do for you? So you don't have to be afraid of just letting it go and saying, okay, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. You never lose with that. No need to be afraid. Psalm 118, verse 6, The Lord is on my side, and I will not fear. There's a second thing it takes care of. If you'd like to know what it is, say amen. amen. Not only fear, but hope. 
Hopelessness is everywhere in our country. Am I right? Hopelessness. People are losing hope. People People have no reason to look forward and say, you know, it looks better down the road. It does not look better down the road, humanly speaking. It does not look better. So people are losing hope. But do we lose hope as God's children? Absolutely not. Romans 5, verse 5, hope maketh not ashamed. And that word ashamed means you will not be disappointed. Hope in God never leads to disappointment. People are living in a state of hopelessness. There's nothing more sad than to see a person who's lost all hope. Have you been around them? Have you seen them? They don't have any hope. It's gone. There's nothing worse than that. You cannot live without hope. And yet so many people are. Our faith is grounded in the God of hope. And he's called that in Romans 15, 13. The God of hope. He is our hope. We not only have hope for the present, we have hope for the future. You can't lose for winning when you have your faith in God. Takes care of hope. And it takes care of loneliness. A lot of lonely people in the world. I'm around them all the time, and so are you. Listen to this verse. It's, it's sad. Psalm 102, verse 7. I am as a sparrow alone on the housetop. I am as a sparrow alone on the housetop. Loneliness. There's nothing worse. My dear pastor's down in heaven. Kelton's named after him. I guess that was a good idea. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, Kelton's made us proud. And Pop, I always called him Pop. He was the strongest man I've ever met, honestly. Uh, he had more fortitude and determination and, and desire to go forward and nothing had stopped the man. He was absolutely amazing. But when his wife, Miss Sarah, died, like a second mom to me, but when she died, a year went by, another year went by, and he, we, we'd talk and he'd say, Ron, he said, the worst thing I've ever encountered my entire life is being alone. He said, there's nothing that I'm struggling with anymore in my life. I've seen everything. I've faced everything. I've dealt with everything in all my years. But he said, loneliness, loneliness is taking me down. I cannot deal with loneliness. The strongest man I've ever known. I cannot stand to be alone. Jesus takes care of loneliness. He said this, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's what kept Pop going and keep anybody in this room going who feels like you're alone. It's impossible for you to be alone when you know the Savior. Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. And then the final thing, it takes care of the matter of resources. Now, we're not going to let the charismatics with their word of faith movement rob us of what we have in Christ materially. I mean, the Lord didn't promise us it would be wealthy, but he did say this, I'll take care of your every need. You can count on it. 
every need you have to keep your physical life going, to keep your life up, upright and keep your well-being intact, I'll meet every need you have. Philippians 4, 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We can have all of our needs met in the Savior, and we're not going to be robbed of that by some group who's overdoing it and got it lopsided. Yes, he does care about our physical material needs. He cares. And so he said, I'll take care of you. Oh, that's wonderful. And so this one verse, listen, this is just amazing. Two words, our Father. You don't have to go beyond that. It is so involved, and we're going to keep looking at this as the weeks go by. But aren't you glad for the person of God and this great, glorious, majestic, eternal being who is all glorious, who's bigger than the universe, is your Father. Isn't that wonderful? And all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand, if you will, please. What a joy to be with you tonight. I absolutely love it. We're going to pray and be dismissed. And uh, let me ask you something. Did you enjoy Sunday night? Amen. That was so much fun. I laughed till I cried. I'm telling you, I appreciate Kelton doing that and Roger. And Roger's got a few bumps on his head. But I, 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 Sherry came over and kissed him away. I saw that. That was so cute. We had a wonderful time. You know, you can have a wonderful time together in God's house. God's house. I love it. I love it. Can't wait till Sunday. You don't know what might happen around here. It's going to be a great, wonderful time together. Uh, Kevin, it's good to see you tonight. And you pray for us, please. And ask the Lord to keep us till Sunday.